Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus, especially when we can do it in the fall, uh, because we just have a bunch of fall events planned in the next coming months. So um, if you're a person who kind of writes down stuff on your calendar, get your calendars ready, uh, although these dates are subject to change. So maybe use a pencil instead of a pen. But First and foremost, coming up, we have um, in November, so in a couple of weeks, November 11th, uh, the, our annual chili cook-off. We do it with several other congregations. Uh, last time, I think we did it at Round Hill Presbyterian Church. This time we do it, we're doing it at the Anglican Church of the Transfiguration in Elizabeth. Uh, it's from noon to 2 p.m., Saturday, November 11th. Um, so hopefully we will have some people uh, who will want to compete. Everybody turn around and look at the back. Right behind Bonnie is the trophy from last year. Uh, we only brought home one. I'm hoping we bring home more than one this year because now we know the rules and how stuff works so that we can vote for ourselves. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll bring home more uh, trophies. Following that, um, in also November, on uh, Sunday, November 19th, uh, we have what we call a great cookie exchange. This is just a made up name we have so that we can eat more cookies, right? We get everyone to bring in cookies, we exchange them, everyone takes home you know, a platter of cookies uh, for Thanksgiving, uh, and we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. And then, in December, uh, we have what's called the Christmas Carol Concert, that we join with multiple congregations uh, at Elizabeth Baptist Church. It's on a Sunday evening, Sunday, December 10th, 7 to 8.30 p.m. It's usually a great time of uh, anywhere from three, four, five to six, seven, eight, or nine congregations, praise teams, choirs, bands, vocalists, just a, just a great time of celebrating the Christmas season in song. Uh, everyone is invited to uh, come to that as well. And then, once we get past all the Christmas stuff, we're going to start off 2024 uh, on the evening of January 17th at 6.30 p.m. with just an evening of praise and worship. Again, multiple congregations just coming together to start off the year by just lifting up God in song. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats, and getting situated. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is one of uh, what are called the prison epistles. Uh, they were epistles or letters in the Bible that Paul wrote while he was imprisoned. Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, he all wrote from prison. Uh, and we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, which is very spiritual. And the overarching theme, just to reiterate before we jump in this morning, uh, first and foremost, he starts talking about salvation. 
what that is. Because if you listen to people today, salvation is all kind of different stuff. But he basically says that salvation is when you hear the truth, the gospel, uh, God's word, and you step across the line of faith and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that paid the penalty for our sins, then God says, okay, if you believe that in your heart and with your mind, then you become a part of God's family. And to ensure that we know we're a part of God's family, Paul says that he puts his Holy Spirit in us so that we have this eternal guarantee. It's not that I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if God loves me. I know he loves me because I have his Holy Spirit inside of me. But then he starts talking about, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, this thing called sanctification, which is a a big church word for just the same thing that parents do. When we bring up our children, we teach them how to behave. You know, we, we talk to them about the way that you treat other people. We tell them don't talk back to adults. Uh, all these things that we teach our children, this is what God does to us. He begins this process of making us more and more and more into the image and likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. But then he starts talking about, in the book of Ephesians, and we'll talk about this today, how do you live that out? Right? It's one thing for me to say, uh, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be humble, I'm going to control my anger, uh, I'm not going to talk bad about people. It's another thing to actually live that out when I'm around people uh, who make you mad or, or, or who do crazy things that make you upset. So um, what we're going to look at today is um, how do we live that out in the context of our family and our friends, Right? And one of the, well, this is one of the reasons why God gives us his Holy Spirit. Because we, we can't live out all these things on our own. We can't uh, do the things that God expects us to do, like be humble, be patient, uh, be honest. I mean, we can do that. Control your anger. Don't steal. No bullying people. No bad-mouthing people. Just encourage others. Forgive and be thankful. Right? Now, we could do some of these. Some of you could say, yeah, I don't steal. I haven't stolen anything in forever, you know. Uh, some of you can say, yeah, I control my anger. But some of us, yeah, where it says no bullying, have we talked bad about people or belittled people or ridiculed people? And we can't, we can't live this out on our own. This is why God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can live it out. And you can tell the folks, because here's the thing, there are people who are Christians that say, I don't need God's Holy Spirit. I can live this out on my own. Those are the folks that will curse you out if you take their seat in church. Those are the folks that where when you're at the Christian potluck, if you take the last hot dog, you'll hear about it, right? These are the folks that get angry at you and demean you. And these are the folks that we are going to see, not just here, here's why I'm voting for this person, but tearing one another down, claiming to be Christian, but tearing one another down the closer we get to the election, right? Because it's one thing to try to live this out, which is difficult. I mean, look around the world. Turn on the news. We don't see everyone living this out. But that's why God gives us his Holy Spirit, so that we can live it out. And it's a process. It doesn't mean, if, if you got become a Christian like yesterday, that doesn't mean today that you're going to be a totally new person. Right? You'll have God's Holy Spirit. You'll have the same body. You'll have the same thinking but you'll have God's Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 maybe you shouldn't respond quite that way like you did last week. Maybe you need to rethink that, right? 
So now, um, we're going to look at how do we live this out in the context of the people that we're supposed to love most, our family, our friends, our children. So if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to put a lot of the verses up here, all the verses up here on screen, but I want you to look, and while you're turning to Ephesians chapter 5, let me ask this question. How many people have sorry, heard the verse, heard this before, wives submit to your husband? How many people have heard that? Okay, a lot of people. A lot of the men just shot their hand up, and women were like, where is he going with this? I don't know. What's, what's, what's he about to? But yeah, all of us have heard that verse, wives submit to your husband, right? Here's another question. Does anybody remember, without looking in your Bible, does anybody remember the verse that comes right before that? Anybody? Any? Okay. Like one person. Okay. Here, here's the reason. A lot of people will, will quote the, 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 the pastors, the political people, TV people, whatever, wives submit to your husband, but they miss the verse that comes right before it, which is why we teach the Bible in context, because here's, here's what it says. In Ephesians chapter 5, right, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Anyone remember that verse? No, because that's not on any T-shirts. It's not on any coffee cups. You won't see, like, people posting that on their, like, Instagram page. But it starts, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then the next sentence is, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, here, here's, here's why there's a difference, right? So what this says is, hey, Floyd, because uh, he, he's writing to Christians, hey, Floyd, submit to Christy. Christy, submit to Floyd. Floyd, submit to Larry and Sharon. Sharon, submit to Gary and Karen. Uh, Karen, submit to Kevin and Bonnie. Bonnie, submit to Cody and Jessica. But here's the thing, Jessica... Yeah, you submit to everyone else too, but the way you submit to Cody is going to look totally different than the way you submit to everybody else. See, she'll submit to everybody else out of reverence for Christ because we all acknowledge God is our sovereign Lord, right, if we're a Christian. Then she'll say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll submit to Floyd on this. I'll submit to Karen on this. I'll submit to, to Bonnie on this. And submit just means I will just say okay and allow them to be above me in this situation. That's all submitting means. And she says, yeah, I'll do that for people because we all, we all love the same Lord. Out of reverence, and that reverence just means a worshipful acknowledgement of his superiority, right? As some versions translate it, fear, but it's not fear like I'm afraid of him. It's more like just reverential respect and worship of who he is. So we'll submit to one another out of that, but then... Because we're not all married to Jessica. Sorry to keep talking about Jessica. Because we're not all married to Jessica, right? She's going to submit to her husband in a totally different way than the way that she submits to us. So here, here's what it says. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And here's the thing. Whenever that is taught, people leave out, submit to one another. They just focus on, hey, if you're a wife, you need to submit to your husband. You need to do what he says. But that's not what it says. It says we all submit to one another, but then because of their marital relationship, uh, the way Jessica submits to Cody is going to be totally different than the way either one of them 
submits to us. And here's how it says, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Which brings up the question, and how does the church submit to Christ? Because no matter what anybody else tells you, however the church submits to Christ, that's the way the wife is supposed to submit to their husband. Because that's what we just read, right? It's not submitting the way they do it in this country or this nation or this denomination or this church or this anything. It's submitting the way that the church submits to Jesus Christ. So how does the church submit to Jesus Christ? By helping Jesus fulfill God's plan for humanity. That's the role of the church. That's, that's why we're here. We're here to help Jesus fulfilled God's plan for humanity. And if you don't know what that is, uh, this is the Great Commission. Most people are familiar with it. This is the amplified version because it just expands on the language. And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, telling the disciples, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel, right, to every creature of the whole human race. Some versions say to everyone in all creation. Some versions say to everyone in every nation. But no matter which version you read, it's clear. We as the church, we're supposed to go into all the world. Into, when we go into our schools, when we go into restaurants, when we go to the dentist's office, uh, when we go bowling, when we go golfing, uh, when we're sitting around watching the game together in our favorite restaurant, we're supposed to preach and publish openly the good news. That doesn't mean we beat people over the head with the Bible. That doesn't mean we try to force them to believe what we believe. That means we kind of do what Stephen used to do all the time, which is tell people, you know, uh, he'd make some kind of funny pun, and then he would say, you know what, and that reminds me how good God is to me. And he wouldn't say, do you want to believe right now because I can, you know, pray for you? He would just say, this is what God has done in my life. That's what we're supposed to do. That, that's what we're supposed to do. That's why the church exists. We're supposed to help Jesus fulfill God's purpose and plan for humanity, and his purpose and plan is that we would go share the gospel with every single person on the planet. People in our family, people in our homes, people in our workplaces, right? And, and so look at this. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. That's the way that it's supposed to happen. And now we know that the church submits to Christ in order to help him fulfill God's plan for humanity. So how does a wife submit to her husband? By helping to fulfill God's plan for your family. That is the way that the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. We are supposed to do, the wife's supposed to do with the husband the same thing the church does to Jesus, right? We just read that. Now, the reason I highlighted helping, because it doesn't mean that the wife is our servant, doesn't mean the wife is our maid, doesn't mean the wife is a doormat. It means the wife is a helper. And this was God's intention from the beginning because in Genesis chapter 2, it says the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I will make him a helper suitable for him. How many people remember the King James help meet? That phrase help meet from the King James, like they taught you in Sunday school and you were like, are you stuttering? That's not good English, but that's the way the King James said it, right? A help meet. And it's a phrase, it's helper. It's a phrase that doesn't mean that the wife is, God said, I'm going to make him someone who brings him his food in bed, someone who cooks, cleans, and does all that. Doesn't mean I'm someone who waits on him hand and foot. In fact, when you look at that word for helper in the Hebrew, the same word is used to describe God throughout the Psalms. 
where it says, God is my helper. In times of trouble, God will help me. When I'm going through the storm, God will help me. Exact same word used to describe God. And none of us expect God to wait on us hand and foot to bring us coffee in bed or to do any of those things. None of us think God is a doormat. So the same way that God is described to help us, that's the way that the wife is supposed to help the husband fulfill the plans for the family. That's what it means to submit. Now, if anyone else, I'm sure, because you can go to YouTube, you can go watch TV, you can turn on whatever channel you want, depending on what denomination, and you'll hear them saying, here are all the things the wife needs to do. If you hear that, go back to that verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, and remind yourself, that's not what the Bible says about the wife. She's not supposed to be a doormat. So, now, here's the thing. That's kind of what it says about the wife. But Paul also addresses what the husband is supposed to do. But sometimes, here's the thing, he puts it in pretty good plain English. Sometimes we as husbands, we're a little hard-headed. You've got to tell us over and over. You've got to break it down for us. So I'm going to put that up in what's called the message version, which is just plain English. It's not a translation. It's just a, a paraphrase of here's what it says. So uh, in the message version, uh, it says, husbands go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. I'm going to read that again to make sure we get it. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. So we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to be the giving ones. Um, I'm not saying this is one of those verses where I disagree with God, but it's one of those verses where I'm like, okay, God, there's a little... A little hard to do because it basically says, hey, we're supposed to give, get, what if they don't give back? Doesn't matter. Give, give. And the reason is that's what Christ did for us. He gave his life for us, didn't expect anything from us in return, and even loves the people who say, yeah, I, they say you did that, but I don't care, right? He says, uh, Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. You will not find one place in the Bible where Jesus Christ is tearing down, ripping into, ridiculing, demeaning the church. Even when you go to the book of Revelation and he's, he's kind of offering criticisms about, hey, you guys got this wrong, you guys got this wrong, he's doing it in a respectful way and then says, but here's how you can make it right. And here's the things that you're getting right. Because that's what we're supposed to do. As husbands, we're not supposed to tear. We're supposed to be the number one cheerleader. I don't know what the male term of that is. Male cheerleader for our wife. There's not supposed to be any co-worker, there's not supposed to be any of their girlfriends, not supposed to be anyone else in their family that cheers them on more than we do. We're supposed to build them up, encourage them in every type of way with our words. And he goes out, he says this, he says, and that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really, them, really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. So we're already united. And then he starts making the comparison about how we love our own bodies and how we take care of our own bodies. And that's what we're supposed to do 
for our wives. Uh, he says no one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we're part of his body. He says, husbands, hey, you, you feed yourself, you take care of yourself. <laughs> I'm going to share this story with you because I made this video where um, people were talking about, you know, once saved, always saved, and all this stuff, and a lot of people were arguing about it, so I made this video just kind of walking through uh, Hebrews chapter, I think it was three, because that's what we've been walking through in our Bible study, where the author of Hebrews, you know, he warns Christians, hey, don't put your salvation at risk. It was just, it was like a long video, like a seven-minute video. Uh, I put it on TikTok. There's a bunch of people that on either side of that, it was like, hey, I don't know about that, but it does make sense. I'm going to have to look into this. It's like, that's great. And then Bill, Bill puts this comment that says, hey, if you think that's good teaching, we get that all the time from our pastor. Every Sunday, you should come join us. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, and I'm drinking my coffee. And then he added this comment. You may look at him and think he's kind of fit, but the boy loves to eat. <laughs> I just spit coffee again, second time, all over my computer. But that's true. It's true, though. I do love to eat. That's why we're doing this. But we love to take care of ourselves. We love to feed ourselves. We love to, you know, dress ourselves, make sure we look good. We love to, 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 to like, I spend hours in the gym trying to stay healthy because I want to be fit. I want to live. We do that for ourselves. But when we get married, then what the Bible is saying, we become one body. So all that we're willing to do for ourselves, we have to be willing to do for our spouse. And if we're not, then we're probably not ready for marriage. And then he says this, and this provides a good picture. Everything we just said provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. So again, just to summarize really quick, marriage, love one another like crazy as you fulfill God's plan for your family. Husbands, love your wives like crazy as you fulfill God's plan for your family. Wives, you are the co-pilot. You are the person who is going to help her. There is no one else on the planet that is going to be able to help fulfill God's plan for your family other than you. And together, that's what marriage is. Everything else is just extra. Everything else is just like icing on the cake, right? Um, so now, he goes on, uh, after talking about how marriages are supposed to work, and then, because once you get the marriage in sync, right, and, and husbands and wives, they're in sync, they're working together, they're, they're, they're doing everything right, then it's a lot easier to deal with the children, right? So he addresses um, the children. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Now, first of all, he says obey, which just means listen to. Your parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, and, and, and when he says this is right, he's saying this is right from God's perspective. And, and, and here's the thing that most of us adults in the room uh, that we have to realize, there's not a time limit on this, right? So, um, my mother told me, um, um, and this was after I had mouthed off to her, she was like, I know you pay your own bills and you got kids of your own, but you're not grown. You're still my child. I told my kids the same thing. You're still my child. 
Yes, you can make your own decisions. You can buy your own car. You can do, you know, have your own home, do all that, but you're still my child. I told them specifically, when you hit 70, 80, 90 years old, if I'm still alive on this planet, you are still my child. When we get to heaven, you are still my child. Now, my mom told me that by throwing a shoe at me because I mouthed off, but you could just tell your kids verbally, hey, you know what? You may be grown, you may have your own home, you may have your own family, but you're still my child. I still love you, I still care about you, and even if you shut me down and don't want to hear it, I'm not going to force it on you, but I'm still going to speak love and truth into your life because you're still my child just like God still does to us, right? Uh, He says, honor your father and mother to the children. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This isn't saying that if you disobey your parents that something's going to happen to you, right? Although your parents may happen to you. But what it is saying is that, hey, if you still have your parents around, your life is going to look a lot better when you allow their voice of wisdom into your life. Because for most of us, the things we're trying to accomplish, our parents have already been there, done that, got several t-shirts, paid all the bills for it, and can give you some wisdom that will cut a lot of ways out for you to make it easier. And sometimes we're like, well, I don't want to give, I want to live my own life. I want to do my own thing. That's your prerogative. But at least hear what your parents have to say, because even just in this room, and probably we all know people in our communities who every single day they're like, I wish I had my mom or my dad still here to help me through this, to tell me how I should get over this, or to just comfort me as I'm going through this. Uh, Years ago, when I was consulting with the government, or before I started consulting with the government, and I I, I lost my job uh, in telecom, um, I didn't go to my church first. Uh, The first person I went to was I called my mom. Cried my eyes out to her, blah, blah, blah. She listened, she consoled me, and then once I was through crying, she was like, okay, you ready to like, get serious and get out there and do what you got to do because you can't keep crying. You got to go look for a job. You got a family to take care of, this, that, and the other. She's like, call me when you want to cry, but I'm not going to pick up the phone unless you have already did what you're supposed to do. Be responsible. And there are a lot of people going through a lot of stuff where, you know what, they're listening to people on the internet. They're listening to politicians when the wisest person in your circle of influence is your mother or your father who's been there, who's done that, and they have nothing, nothing that they're going to get out of it other than just helping you. Um, Let me share this too. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. None of us use that word exasperate in our everyday life, right? I mean, it's not something that any of us, we don't even type that out. Uh, it's like, Alexa, how do you spell exasperate? Because we want to type it to a friend. So I'm going to put this in the complete Jewish Bible version, which is based on the language used in the Greek. Here's how the person reading it in that day would have understood it, which makes perfect sense. It says, fathers, don't irritate your children and make them resentful. Instead, raise them with the Lord's kind of discipline and guidance. 
And this is something, and, and Christy will tell you, that uh, whenever I was, even when they were growing up, talking to my kids, and I'm like, you got to do this, you got to do that, she would just have to say, tone, because I was like, ah, she was like, tone, and I would keep, ah, she was like, tone, until um, once we moved here, granted, they were still grown, they were grown, uh, but even then, she would say, tone, tone. She, how many people remember Florence Alderson? Any of you guys, some of you older people who have been around for a while will remember her. She would pull me aside. And she would say, I'm trying to tell you to watch your tone. And like, I am watching my tone. And she would say, would you, this is a true story, I ask her, would you talk to Florence Alderson the way that you just talked to your kids? And Florence was, how old was she then? 80-something-year-old, 80 nice woman, church-growing woman, you know, loved the Lord. And she was like, would you talk to her that way? If not, don't talk to your kids that way. So I would have to, like, okay, how can I say this in a way that Florence would understand, but get across the importance without irritating and making my kids resentful. And still, I don't think she said it in a long time, but still, to this day, I keep that in mind because I have a tendency to like, hey, look, this is what you need to do. And then I hear Christy saying, would you say that to Florence? It's like, okay, let me, let me communicate that in a better way. And this, this, is, this is what we're supposed to do as fathers. Uh, we're not supposed to exasperate our children. We're not supposed to irritate them. We're not supposed to make them resentful. We're supposed to raise them with the Lord's kind of discipline and guidance. And you know what that is? That's that whole list that we talked about. Raise them to be humble, patient, uh, honest people, controlling their anger, respecting the property of other people that don't bully and tear down others, that encourage others, that are forgiveful, and that are thankful to God for what we have. That's the way that we're supposed to raise our children. That's what we're supposed to do them. As the band comes up, uh, let me share this with you quickly. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going we're gonna to end out singing this song. Uh, but uh, we said throughout this series, right, we're going to try to keep this all Sesame Street simple. Here, here's uh, the way that we're supposed to interact if you're a Christian with your families. Love your family the way that God loves us. Husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loves the church. Uh, wives, submit to your husband the way that Christ loves the church. Love one another the way that God loves us. Children, love your parents the way that God loves us. Parents, love your children the way that God loves us. We're all, I mean, this has been throughout the Bible over and over and over. And hopefully you guys have heard me say this. Almost every book of the Bible that we've been through, that we teach through, that we walk through, it comes up time and time again love one another the way that God loves us. Because here's the thing. Uh, one day, all of us who, who claim to be Christians, we're going to be standing in heaven together. Our family relationships, they don't end on this earth. Family is forever. And with, with, with my brother who died years ago or, or my mother or with your aunt, your uncle, your mother, your father, with, with children who may have gone home to be with the Lord, one day uh, we'll stand next to Stephen. We'll stand next to family members who have gone before us. And we'll all stand before God, a holy and righteous God, not as strangers, not as different nations, not as, as, as Steeler fans and, 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 and Browns fans, although that may stand forever, but we'll all stand together, right, before a holy God as family, united by the love of Christ. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand.
God, we pray that um, we take to heart your message that family is forever, that we are to love one another forever, that we are to, to, to love our spouses, our children, our parents, our grandparents, our grandchildren, our uncles, our aunts, our, our, our mothers and, and fathers, everyone. We're supposed to love them the way that you loved us and that we are supposed to do that forever. And we pray that we take that to heart so that we can all stand united in Christ and your presence lifting up your name forever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.